Good morning. It's good to see everyone. Thank you for coming to, uh, to learn. But the Pesach tells us in last week's parasha that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was receiving the Torah in Harsinah, Vehisham, Arboim Yom, Arboim Laila. He was on top of Harsinah for 40 days and for 40 nights. And the Yalta Shemani asked from the Pesach and Sefer Tehillim, Vegam Cheshech, Loyashech, Mimecha, Velayla, Kiyom, Yoir, Kechashecha, Kaira, that there is no darkness uh, in the presence of the Reba Nishalalam. So how then was Moshe Rabbeinu able to discern between the difference, uh, in the difference between day and night? And did he know he was there for 40 days and 40 nights if it's always light in the presence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu? Minayin haya Moshe yoydeya emas hayoyim ve'emas haylayla. El b'shosh haya Kaddish Baruch Hu melamdoy mikra hayodeya shuyoyim. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu taught him uh, Tanakh, Mikra, so then he knew that it was day. When he taught him Tarsh uh, Peh, he knew it was night. And the Perkid Rebbe comments that that's the meaning in the Pesach and Sefer Tehillim, Yom Yom Yabia Oimer, that during uh, the day he utters speech, that refers to Mikra, uh, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells knowledge, or we can engage in knowledge, that's referring uh, to the Tarsh Peh. So Moshe Rabbeinu had the benefit of uh, knowing when it was day and when it was night, even though the sun wasn't rising, or so what wasn't setting in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because uh, there's no darkness in the presence of Hashem. But he knew that it was a day and night by virtue of the fact of what they were learning by the Seder Ayyim. However, there are parts of the world uh, above uh, the Arctic Circle, where the, uh, which is an imaginary line at uh, 66 north latitude, where the, so there are points throughout the year where the sun does not rise or the sun uh, does not set. And um, there is somewhat of a suffix how to uh, treat, uh, figure out, discern what, you know, Zmane Hayom, and figure out the passage of days vis a vis the observance of Shabbos. The northernmost town, just as an example, the northernmost town, which is. Uh, is a settled is Longyearbyen, which is in North, it's not hard to remember. The guy's name was Longyear, who established the, the, the town, but it's known as Longyearbyen, and that is um, in the northernmost town in Norway. It's on a set of islands north of Norway, in the middle of the uh, the ocean. So there, the sun rises April twentieth and doesn't set until August twenty fifth, and then the sun sets October twenty fifth and doesn't rise again until February 15th. So between February 15th and April 20th, the sun rises and sets. And between the same, same thing between August 25th and October 25th. So those are ideal times to visit Longyearbyen, because there's a sunrise and a sunset. However, what does one do uh, during the, the periods of the year when it, the sun does not rise or does not set? How does one assess uh, the day, the hours of the day, vis-a-vis Mane Hayoim? or the passage of days in order to establish Shabbos. At the North Pole, which is even more extreme, the sun rises in uh, March and sets in September. It doesn't rise or set in between. And then it sets in September and rises again in March. So how does one assess the passage of time vis-a-vis Mane Hayyam and the establishment of Shabbos? And as we know, the Pesach tells us in Parashat Bereshis, Vayikra Lekim Lo'ar Yoim V'lachesheh Karalayla Vayyer Vayivaka Yoim Echad Kaddish Baruch Hu called the, the, the light day and the darkness night, it was night, it was day, and then uh, that will constitute the passage of the first day. So we are generally used to assessing uh, the passage of time, vis-a-vis you know, the, the, uh, the transition from night to day, from uh, darkness to light, and that's how we assess the passage of one day. What does one do if there is the, you don't have the benefit of the, the sun rising or the sun setting? Yeah. The same way as the basic horrors, could it be that the Jews are not supposed to be there? Okay, okay, we'll get to that possibility, yeah, yeah.
Yeah. Or what does one do? Um, <coughs> this is, you know, and with regards to the North Pole, but uh, certainly this uh, same Shiloh, but perhaps to the other extreme, will be encountered if a person is, uh, which is not such a theoretical question anymore in our time, about a Jew uh, traveling in outer space, where uh, also there could be no sunrise or sunset, or the opposite extreme, if a person is orbiting the Earth, so then the sun rises and sets every 90 minutes, because you circle the Earth every 90 minutes, so you could have 14 or 15 sunrises or sunsets as you're orbiting the earth, would every single time the sun rises and sun sets be considered a new day? You have to literally dive in, you know, the old joke, Mariv Shachos Mincha, every 90 minutes, and twice a day would be Shabbos. I mean, the, the possibilities, of course, are endless. The possibilities are endless. Yeah. So how, how does one assess the passage of time, and uh, certainly with regards to the more, the more central issue, with regards to the establishment of, of Shabbos? And even if one doesn't go to these extreme uh, locations above the Arctic Circle, where the sun doesn't rise, it doesn't set, as one, even if one is south of the Arctic Circle, in uh, northern cities um, approaching the Arctic Circle, one could encounter a much more uh, common issue, certainly in cities like uh, uh, Stockholm or in Oslo, Helsinki, even in Anchorage, one, where there are Jewish communities in all of these cities, um, there are times throughout the, the, the sun always rises and always sets. You know, every day the sun rises and sets. It's only above the Arctic Circle that there are days that it doesn't rise, it doesn't set. However, it might not get dark enough uh, when the sun sets to be considered tzesekachavim. The Gemara tells us in Mesechtes Shabbos, over here, Ois Beis, the end of the second line, number of Yehuda Marshmuel, Kaychav Echad Yoim, if there's one star that's visible, it's day, two, Shnayim, Ben Ashmoshes, that's considered to be the, uh, the time between day and night, Shloy when you can see three, uh, the Gemara goes on to explain, three uh, medium sized stars, so then that's considered uh, to be Lila. And Rabbi Hanun writes in his Kaivet Shiurim HaMesech the Psachim that the, uh, the visibility of the stars is not what establishes it to be night. Because, as we know, on the first day of creation, it was, uh, it was a night, then it was a day, and that constituted the passage of the first day, even though the stars were not created until the fourth day of creation. So it's clearly not the existence of the stars that constitutes uh, that constitutes night, it rather represents a degree of darkness that uh, represents light. That's what constitutes, uh, I'm sorry, that constitutes Lila. Tzitzit is the way we assess it. That's the, uh, the simon that it's dark enough is when you can see the three stars, but it's not actually the emergence of the stars that constitutes night, or the existence of the stars, the visibility of the stars. It's rather that degree of darkness that the stars are visible. That is what uh, constitutes night. However, what degree of darkness uh, is this? How dark does it have to be? So there is a well-known contradiction between the Gemara Masech the Shabbos, Gemara Masech the Psachim, and the Machlekes Rishonim and Goyim, how to resolve that contradiction. On the one hand, the Gemara tells us in Masech the Shabbos, on Daf Lamed Aleph, the Itmar Shir Bein Hashmoshes Bekama. How long is the period of Bein Hashmoshes between the Shkia Sachama, when the sun, bow of the sun uh, dips below the horizon, until Tzetzel Koychavim? When you can see the stars. So, Amar Rabbah, Amar Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Shloisha Chelke Mil, three parts of a mil. My Shloisha Chelke Mil, what do you mean three parts of a mil? Ilay Matlasa Palge Mila, name a mil mech. So, if you mean three halves of a mil, so say a mil and a half. Alatlasa Tilsi Mila, and if you mean three parts, you know, a third of a mil, so then say, well, three thirds is a, is a whole mil, so say a mil, Alatlasa Ravi Mil. What it means is three quarters of a mil. 
So the three quarters of the time that it, tra- it takes to travel a mill, which is a distance, uh, that's uh, after the Shkia Sachama, that's how long it takes to get to Tzei Sakarchavim. How long is that? So the <laughs> length of a mill is a machleka, somewhere between 18 minutes and 22 and a half minutes. So three quarters of 18 minutes, 22 and a half minutes, somewhere between 14 minutes and 17 minutes would be uh, three quarters of a mil. That's how long it would take uh, for the sun uh, to, to reach the Tzai Sakarchavim. That's what the Gemara tells us in Masech Shamas. The problem is, there's another Gemara, Masech Psachim, which seems to say something else. The Gemara says, Masech Psachim, Mezbe Bihuda Oimer, Me Alois HaShachar Ad HaNetz HaChama, from the time of Alois HaShachar, when the light of the sun begins to peak over the horizon, Ad HaNetz HaChama, until the ball of the sun comes over the horizon, Arba Milin. It's four million, which is either somewhere between 72 minutes, if a mill is 18 to 22 and a half minutes, somewhere between 72 minutes and 90 minutes. So, Arba million, Mishkiah Sachama, Vatseisachachavim. And it's also four mil from Mishkiah Sachama, from when the sun dips below the horizon, until Tseisachachavim, also Arba million. That's also four mil. So, the Gemara told us in Mishkiah Sachama, somewhere between 14 and 17 minutes, three quarters of a mil. Here, the Gemara is saying that it's four mil from Mishkiah Sachama. Until Tzaytzik HaKavim, 72 to 90 minutes. So the Tzaytzik and Mesech L'Sachim already quotes from the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam that there are two Shkiyas HaChamos. You're going to have to say something here. Either there's two Tzaytzik HaKavims or the two Shkiyas HaChamos. You can't have both. So Rabbeinu Tam says the first, what he calls Shkiyah Rishayna, is when the ball of the sun dips below the horizon. But after that point, it's still Vadayoim. Still, certainly day. Even though the ball of the sun dips below the horizon. And then there's Shkiyah Shniyah. A second shkia, seif shkia, and that is uh, three mil and a quarter after the ball of the sun dips below the horizon. That's the the, the shkia, the seif shkia, when the sun is really below the horizon. That's three mil and a quarter mil after uh, the shkia. Until that point, it's still vadayoim. From that point onwards, for the next three quarters of a mil. That's called Bein Hashmashas until you get to 72 to 90 minutes, and that's when it's Vadai Laila, that's when it's certainly Tzitzik HaKavim. So according to Rabbeinu Tam, as we all know, and this is the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch, that a person could dive a mincha without a doubt, uh, you know, about 50, 50 or more minutes, uh, maybe even close to an hour, minutes after, uh, after Shkia Sachama, after the ball of the sun dips below the horizon, still Vadai Yoim, it only becomes Bein Hashmashas, three mil and a quarter mil after Shkia Sachama. And at that point, it's Bein Hashmashas until four million pass, until 72 uh, to 90 minutes. That's the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam. The Bir HaGra and Shulchan Aruch uh, disagrees and says, so do the Go'enim, it's quoted by the Chuvis Maram al-Shakar. The Gra is really just echoing uh, an earlier opinion of Goenim, but the Gra argues in a dramatic fashion, How can you say it's still Vada Yoim when it's, uh, it's dark outside? The sky is full of stars. You can't say that it's still, uh, it's still considered to be night, uh, it's still considered to be day after the bow of the sun is dipped below the horizon and there's, there's uh, tons of stars that are visible. So rather, the Vilna Goyen, and that's the opinion of the Goyenim, uh, claim that no, once the bow of the sun dips below the horizon, Shkiyas HaChama, it's already Suffolk Yom, Suffolk Lila, that's considered to be Bein Hashmoshes. And when is it Tzaytzik HaChavim? Three quarters of a mil after Shkiyas HaChama. Like the Gemara told us in Mesech Shabbos. So it's considered to be uh, Vada Laila, somewhere between 14 and, and uh, 18 minutes after Shkia Sachama. This is in, in Eretz Yisrael, but Yom Nisan. It could change in other parts of the world. 
at different times of the year, at the different angle of the sun. But at least during certain parts of the year, the shortest time of the year between when the sun dips below the horizon and it gets dark. Um, so then it's somewhere between 14 and 18 minutes. What then is the Gemara referring to in Masech Psachim? That's referring to Tzeis Koakachavim, when all of the stars are visible, which is an entirely different uh, assessment. Not Tzeis Koakachavim Vadeh Who cares Tzeis Koakachavim? What difference does it make? Who cares about Shkia Rishayna? What difference does Shkia Rishayna make? Or Tchigo Shkia? What difference does Tchigo Shkia make? Maybe it makes a difference. Yeah, for certain halachas, so too Tzeis Koakachavim, maybe it'll make a difference for certain halachas. You're going to have to like, distinguish there's two like, skiers and two tzitzah kachavans. You can't have both. Like what, like getting what, what example of uh, the go- that you know of? I don't know of anyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it might make a difference something. Shabbos for the guy, no? Shabbos for the guy. I don't know. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem. This is a big problem. Huh? It's a problem already hundreds of years, this problem. So the Goyim came to stays Kokachavim, that's at 72 to 90 minutes, which really, again, doesn't make that much of a difference to the halacha. And the real Shkia is, the real Tetzikachavim is three quarters of a mil after uh, Shkia Sachama. Somewhere between 14 and 18 minutes after the sub of the sun dips below the horizon. In Eretz when the days are, are, are the shortest. It'll get longer as the, day gets, uh, as the, day get, the days get longer. So, and as you in different parts of the world. So how far is this, though? How far does the ball of the sun have to dip below the horizon to beat Tzitzik according to the Go'inim? So it has to be 14 or 18 minutes after it dips below the horizon. That's somewhere around 5 degrees below the horizon. When the sun is about 5 degrees below the horizon, that's dark enough to be considered Tzitzik according to the Go'inim. So we would uh, take that same... Uh, you know, degree of darkness, and uh, export that to our other areas of the world to see when is a tzitzik kavim. Whenever the sun is that far, at five degrees below the horizon, according to Rabbein Utam, that the real tzitzik kavim is seventy-two to ninety minutes after the shkias achama. So then, the ball of the sun would have to be about sixteen degrees uh, below the horizon which is much, much further. I mean, just as an example, in London, there are about six days out of the year when the sun does not get uh, six days, uh, 16 degrees uh, below the horizon. So certainly any city that's even north of London already uh, could run into this uh, kind of issue. We're probably most generally passing like the, like the Goenim, Me'ikradin, but Mahmur sometimes or Benutam. However, the, uh, this, this, uh, this issue could be relevant in many, many more cities, even well south of, of the Arctic Circle. And how to assess Mani Hayyam and certainly uh, establishing the days vis a vis a vis establishing Shabbos. So, how does one deal with these uh, issues of the northern towns, certainly below the Arctic Circle, but it, or in the more extreme cities above the Arctic Circle where the, the sun uh, doesn't set or doesn't rise in certain days throughout the year? Oddly enough, this issue is not addressed anywhere in Chazal or by the Rishonim. Arguably or understandably, perhaps, because Jews weren't traveling to these parts of the world in, that, in those times, and therefore wasn't something uh, that was uh, addressed only by the Rishonim. But it is addressed, and now in the, you know, in the last few hundred years, this issue it has uh, come up. Jews are living in these areas, and therefore it has been addressed by the later Achreinim. The Perhaps what is the most uh, intriguing or enticing, maybe even compelling uh, approach, but also the most dangerous approach, is that of the Munkacha Rebbe, to have to deal with these issues in his Chuvas, the Minchas Elazar. So he uh, suggests that, look, we only have one way, and he's right, we only have one way of establishing the passage of days. 
And that's Vayera Vayvoker Yom Echad. And the sun rises and the sun sets. It gets dark and it gets uh, light. So he says, fine. So maybe where the sun doesn't set, it's Vayter uh, uh, Day. And when the sun doesn't rise, it's Vayter Night. It still considers to be night. And because the sun hasn't risen and the sun hasn't set. So according to the, the Mincha Salazar, let's say at the North Pole, for example, the, um, you'd have, uh, you know, a year would be one day. Because the sun rises and sets once in the year. It rises in March and sets in uh, September. And therefore, you don't be obligated to keep Shabbos once every uh, seven years uh, in the North Pole. You have in one Shachris. That's it. One min, you get you one chance, one mincha, and one marv. That's the opinion of the mincha salaz. And I say it's compelling because he's, you know, functioning based on the rule, the only rule that we know exists, which is vayyer vayvoke yomechad. This has not been accepted. So come to him up there. You think you do fourteen times Yeah. You do. Oh, and by the same token, very good. By the same token, a person who's orbiting the Earth would meikra din be obligated to daven shachris mincha marv every ninety minutes, and Shabbos would exist twice a day. According to the Mincha Salazar, because the sun rises and sets as he orbits the earth. You already pointed out by Yerivay Boker was before the constellations. So why would that hit? If a day, if Yom HaChad was before the sun was around, then why would it? Ah, 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 you're asking a different question. The sun wasn't created till the fourth day. Right. The Rishayim and Machumish already deal with that. How was there light if the sun wasn't created? We've discussed this at Chalashudis it's many not, times. It's not tied to the sun either. Oh, okay, but it's the, the passage of light and day. Or, or night and darkness. You know, um, light and darkness. But if it's dark for six months, or light for six months, or dark for 90 minutes, or, and then light, so then, then that would be the cost of the passage of a, of a day. Most, is, that, is that calendar day also? For the Minchas Elazar, that would be a calendaric day. Would Pesach come faster? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this approach has not been accepted by, even though it's compelling, in, you know, at least conceptually, this has not been accepted by, uh, by any of the, of the Paiskim who deal with the issue. And that is because um, it, it's almost untenable, it's axiomatic, that everybody has to observe Shabbos. You know, we all have to be on the same calendaric day. It can't be that, you know, at the North Pole, it's Wednesday, and over here, it's, it's Shabbos. Of course, with regards to the issue of the international dateline, um, you know, it could be Friday in one part of the world and Sunday in another part of the world. However, that's a very different issue, because uh, there, we're all really on the same calendar. That's just the unavoidable result of the fact that the sun rises and sets in different parts of the world at different times. And Shabbos comes in at parts of the world at different times than it does in other parts of the world. So just an unavoidable result of that is that at some places it will be Friday, some places will be Shabbos, some places uh, will be Sunday. But to have uh, a day that's either longer or shorter than 24 hours, and to have uh, one place of the world to be one day and another place of the world to be a different day, is simply untenable or just impossible in the eyes of uh, most Paiskim who deal with this, uh, with this issue. It's almost axiomatic that the days, you know, post-Mysobratius, the days have to be, uh, consist of 24 hours, and we all have to be on the same uh, calendar, you know, the same, uh, the same uh, cycle of days. Another uh, compelling uh, approach uh, is raised by a more contemporary, uh, one of the more contemporary Yacharayim, but has already uh, found, the beginnings of it already found in Tzvaris Yisrael, and that is the approach of uh, Rav Sternbach. Rav Sternbach writes over here in the Tshuvas Van Hages um, that uh, even in the northern uh, places in the world, above the Arctic Circle, even if the sun doesn't set, the sun does rotate in the sky. It does move uh, c- closer and further away. 
or even when the sun is below the horizon, there are times throughout the day when there is a point throughout the day, around noon, um, when the sun is uh, closest, and midnight when the sun is further, further away. So Rav Sternbach claims that that will constitute day, you know, in the places where the sun doesn't rise, that will, the day will be constituted by the time that the sun is closest to you, and in the places where the sun doesn't set, night will be constituted by the time in the day when the sun is furthest away. So uh, midnight would be when the sun is furthest away, that would be night, and uh, when the sun doesn't rise, so day would be, um, or, or morning would be when the, um, when the sun is uh, closest to you. The problem is that it would go away the minute that the sun, you know, is a little bit further away, already day is over. The day exists, he says, for that one heref ayin, for that one moment when the sun is closest to you, that's day. After that, we don't know, so it's already night. So the day exists when the sun doesn't rise, the day exists for a moment, and when the sun doesn't set, night exists for one moment when the sun is furthest away. So he says you really can't perform any mitzvahs during that one instant when it's day or that one instant um, when it's night, but that's how it, he claims it constitutes day and constitutes night, and therefore it exists of a period of 24 hours, and when the sun is close and when the sun is furthest away. This shita, even though it hasn't been accepted for those people who travel to where the places where the sun doesn't rise and the sun doesn't set, it is helpful in the play, the northern cities with the sun below the Arctic Circle, where the sun always does rise and does set, um, that perhaps, um, even if it doesn't reach darkness of Tzitzikachavim, Tzitzikachavim certainly will be reached when the sun is uh, furthest away at midnight. So for example, if one would be in a place where the sun doesn't reach five degrees below the horizon, once you've reached uh, midnight, when the sun is furthest away, it's Vadai Laila at that point, and now you know Shabbos is over. So it could be helpful for those parts of the world where the sun doesn't dip that far below the horizon, never really gets dark enough to be considered, uh, you know, objectively, like, uh, you know, to the degree of darkness that would in other parts of the world, once it's reached midnight, you already know that, uh, that the day is over. Or, by the same token, let's say um, in those parts of the world, even where the sun doesn't rise, but it does get light. Some parts really far, that during the winter it just doesn't even get light. But uh, if you, as you get closer to the Arctic Circle, even though the sun doesn't necessarily rise, it does get light. Because the sun is getting close to the horizon. So Sherbach would argue that that's already considered to be day. And many would hold that one could fulfill the Mitzvah Hayyim at that point already because it should be no worse than the Mishnah Misechlis Megillah, which tells us, Most of the Mitzvah Hayyim, the Gemara says, Misechlis Megillah could be performed at least B'diyeved Misha'olam Murashachar. We know this from davening Shacharis. B'diyeved, you could daven before an Eitzachama. Already Misha'olam Murashachar. Once light uh, comes above the horizon, even if the sun hasn't risen, once it's light already, so okay, so that's considered to be day. So even if the sun doesn't rise, when the sun gets closer to you, as certainly if there's light above the horizon, then that would be considered day, and you could perform the mitzvah hayyim uh, at that point. But Rav Sternbach Shita, so it's helpful in those parts of the world where the sun might not set completely, you know, or where it doesn't get dark enough to be considered tzitzikachavim. The sun sets when it's dark enough to be tzitzikachavim. Once you know you've reached midnight, uh, so then you know uh, you know Shabbos is out, and you could already uh, do malacha. Yeah, that that's not $5. uncommon at all. Five dollars. St. Petersburg is even farther. St. Petersburg is further north, but but once you reach midnight, which I think is the practice of many, once you reach midnight, you know it's it's no longer Shabbos because the sun already reaches furthest away point. Even if it's not dark enough to be objectively tzitzikachavim, the sun is farthest away. Already, it, it can't go on beyond that. We don't accept the Minchas Allah that a day could keep going and going. 
more than 24 hours. What would be? Midnight shows Manius. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Is darkness important, or it's just Tzitzchakochavim is an indication that? It's so that's what we said. It can't be that the Kochavim themselves are what constitute night. It's the degree of darkness where you can see the stars. Light we need for Rishemo, so it's in the pasuk. But there's no darkness reference, right? We don't need darkness for it to be night. Darkness, he called night, yeah. So it's a degree of darkness. That's the opinion of Rav Sternbach. But it's really not that helpful in places where it never even gets light or never gets dark. Uh, so then uh, the sun does move closer and further away, but, but you really have no time then to perform Mitzvah Sayyim or no time to perform Mitzvah Halayla because it goes away in an instant. He writes, That's why Shemach writes at the end of Yisayin, That the sun doesn't rise, so when the sun is closest to you, uh, you know, so then it would be considered to be day, but it lasts for a second and then the sun again goes further away. He does believe the day, again, is 24 hours long, because uh, there will be a day to establish a calendaric change between Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. No one accepts the Moon Kachar that just keeps going on and on and on. It will uh, you know, be broken apart by the fact that the sun revolves either you know, below the horizon or above the horizon, of course you'd be obligated to keep Shabbos. It's not right for a Jew to put themselves in a situation where they're just, it's impossible for them to keep the mitzvahs, and that's going to be a concept that other Paiskim uh, tap into as well, that if you put yourself in a situation where it's just impossible to keep the mitzvahs, so then that is not some the situation a person should ideally put himself in. This issue, though, was first addressed in the 1700s by Rabbi Yaakov Emden. In a Sefer Moruk, see his commentary in the tour, and it became, uh, received a lot of attention because it was cited by the Sharei Tshuva um, in Shulchan Aruch. The Rav Yaakov Abdin dealing with the same Shiloh, what do you do about the cities that are above the Arctic Circle, the sun never rises and never sets. So he writes at the second line, mm-hmm. You count se- seven 24-hour periods. Doesn't sound like it's corresponding to anything having to do with the... Um, yeah, yeah with, the, with the movement of the sun, but you count uh, t- seven 24-hour periods. You count six days, and then the seventh day is Shabbos, or you count from the time that you get there. You count the 24-hour period, and the seventh day is Shabbos. And he references the Gemara Masech the Shabbos, really discussing something else. The Gemara is discussing Masech the Shabbos over here, the Psalm of Testament Olive, I guess the only really source that could perhaps be... Uh, you know, similar to our situation, and that is the person who's wandering in the midbar and he loses track of time. He keeps six days, and on the seventh day is Shabbos. No, he observes Shabbos the first day, and the six following six days are the days of the week. But my kamefligi, what are they arguing about? Whose precedent should we follow? We followed the present of the Rebbeinu Shalalem who created the world in six days, and that was followed by Shabbos. So too, this person should keep six days followed by Shabbos. He should follow the example of other Marishan, present of other Marishan, whose first day of existence was Shabbos. So the Gemara says, but what does he do the other six days? So Every day he should do whatever he needs in order to survive, because it's Pikuach Nefesh. Bar Mehu Yama, except for the day that he observes a Shabbos. 
So what's he going to do on that one day? He's going to die. It doesn't mean that he can't fast for one day. It means either we're dealing with a person who can't fast, or he just he doesn't have enough uh, to get through that one day. So he's putting himself in sakana. The oven may parnasa. So let him uh, do like the man, you know, and do uh, double on Friday. So the Mar says you can't do that. Maybe uh, Friday is really Shabbos. How can you do extra? It's not pikuach nefesh on Friday. Every all seven days he does that which he needs to survive. Even that day that he chooses, uh, you know, arbitrarily to serve as Shabbos. So what do you mean that he observes Shabbos? If he's doing Malach all seven days, he observes Kiddush and Avdallah on that day. How do we paskin? Does a person observe Shabbos in six days of Yemay Sachau, or is it six days of Yemay Sachau and then Shabbos? Are we passing like Ravuna? That it's six days of Yemay Sachau, the seventh day is Shabbos. The Gura claims there's in fact an allusion to this Psach in the Pasuk in last week's parasha, when the Pasuk says, V'shamu v'nei Yisrael sa-Shabbos, l'asus sa-Shabbos v'dayraisim b'ris o'elam. So the, uh, Shabbos is a bris oilam, a covenant of the Rosham forever. And there, la oilam is written with a vav. Then the Pasuk continues, Oisi beinu veimene Yisrael, Oisi li oilam, ki sheish yom asar asem eshamayim v'yasar, so v'yom ashvi shabas v'yinofash. So the um, Pasuk there says, Oisi beinu veimene Yisrael, beinu veimene Yisrael, Oisi li oilam. Between me and Klal Yisrael, it's an ois forever. But there, la oilam is written without a vav. It's written without. Bris Arlam is written with Avav. Ois Li Arlam is written without Avav. Why is it written without Avav? So the Gura says because it's talking about someone who is Ne'elam, Mimenu Shabbos. He doesn't know when Shabbos is. The first Pasuk is talking about a person who knows the calendar, you know, when Shabbos is. The next Pasuk, that Beni Vemid Yisrael, Ois Li Arlam, is talking about when you don't know when Shabbos is. Ois La Alam, when a person does his, uh, his uh, Shabbos is hidden from him. So what does he do in that situation? He follows the precedent of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, who works for six days. Uh, and on the seventh day, he observes Shabbos. So that's when a person should observe Shabbos if he's highlighted by Midbar. Okay, so a person, what does he do if he's highlighted by Midbar? Six days, he might say, oh, seventh day is Shabbos. Each day he does Kedai Parnasasa, that which he needs to live. And the seventh day, he does Kiddush and Avdallah. So Rashi writes that the Kiddush and Avdallah on the seventh day is really just Lezikaran Be'alma. And so he shouldn't forget Torah Shabbos. Is it really Vaday Shabbos? Doesn't sound like it. But you do it in order not to forget Vaday Shabbos. Yeah, but the problem is you're making a bracha. You're not sure when Shabbos is. Savik brachas. So it's already asked from Torah. Ve'ech yom brachas ala savik. Ve'ech yamin and savik bracha. B'day raisa chayzek shu yadeh shu chay bracha vaday o shu hume super kambirach vim laf. If you're not sure if you made a bracha or not. You don't go back and make another bracha. It's only if you vada, I know, I know I'm, I have to make a bracha. I'm not sure if I benched or I didn't bench. I ate, but I'm not sure if I benched. So you go back, you bench again. However, <laughs> if I'm not sure if I'm obligated to make a bracha in the first place, I'm not sure today's Shabbos. How can I go make, make Kiddush and Abdullah? So the uh, resolves, either suffix bracha levatala, uh, bracha levatala is only nisim and the Rabbanon itself, okay? Or you're talking about saying Kiddush and Abdullah without a bracha, without shame and malchus. <coughs> Okay, fine, but it sounds like from Rashi and the Ritva that this idea of keeping Shabbos on the seventh day is in fact only a din midrabanon. The Radvaz disagrees, huh? Tefillin every day. And what would he do about Tefillin? Yeah, where it doesn't say, probably Tefillin every day. you don't have a watch. I guess if you lost in the Midbar, what do you mean you don't have a watch? The watch stopped working. The sun is rising and setting. Uh-huh. The sun is rising and setting. Yeah, You're in the Midbar. Oh, yeah. No, but, but 
Ah, we'll get to the Nafal in a second. So the Radvaz claims that this, uh, this halacha, though, is a din midday raisa. The Radvaz is discussing the phenomenon that the sun rises and sets in different parts of the world at different times. So he discusses how in different, well, something we, of course, take for granted, but Shabbos, uh, you know, comes in in one part of the world, different, and it comes in a different part of the world at a different time. So one time here, one time there, and the Radvaz says it's not a problem. It doesn't have to be Shabbos uh, in the entire world at the exact same moment. Because Shabbos is icy, Benu Vemini Israel, it's an ice between every single individual, and every single individual, uh, you know, in whatever place they live, will observe Shabbos based on, uh, you know, the place, the sun rising and setting in the place where they live. And he says that's not a problem. He says, look on the fourth line, he says, Gedolamizu Amru. Not only does each place observe Shabbos at the time that the sun rises and sets in that location, but Amahalik Bamidbar, a person who's traveling in the Midbar, he doesn't know when Shabbos is, has his own Shabbos. And when is his Shabbos? He counts six days, observes Shabbos on the seventh. And that's an example of the principle, the same principle, that in New York, Shabbos is one time, and in Los Angeles, Shabbos is a different time. Now, New York, Shabbos is one time, Los Angeles, Shabbos is a different time, it's a Dimidai Raisa. From the fact that the Radvaz says, equates the issue of a person who's traveling in the Midbar with a person who has, you know, he is a different day of Shabbos than everybody else, with a person who's in New York and Los Angeles, that implies that the Radvaz understood the establishment of Shabbos based on counting six days of Chal and the seventh day of Shabbos is the fact that in uh, Midday Raisa. That seems to be the opinion of the Rabbeinu Bachia as well in Chumash. The Pasuk and Parashat Shlach tells us with regards to the Mekoshesh Eitzim, Vayu Venei Yisrael by Midbar, Klai Yisrael in the Midbar, Vayimsu Ish Mekoshesh Eitzim B'yoyma Shabbos. They found the person chopping wood on Shabbos and of course they put him to death. So Rabbeinu Bachia asks, why does the Torah say that Klai Yisrael Vayu Venei Yisrael by Midbar? They were in the, of course, we know they're in the Midbar. The Parsha Shlach is in Sefer by Midbar. We know everything is taking place in the Midbar. Why does it have to say, Vayu by Midbar? So Ben Avachia says, it's talking about a person who didn't know when Shabbos was. He counted six days of Chal, seventh day of Shabbos, and he violated Shabbos on that day, and they still put him to death. Because observing Shabbos on that day is, in fact, the Din Midday Raisa. Not right. like Rashi and the Ritva, that it's only Din Midday Raisa. said, no, you shouldn't forget Shabbos. In fact, the Din Midday Raisa. But the Mechal still remained in Shabbos. Uh, so Radvaz says the only reason he has to keep refraining from Malachi because someone else might be, have a different count in the Midbar and for him it might be Shabbos so I have to refrain from Malachi because for him it might be Shabbos that's a Din Midbar Abanan. but the Shab- fact that it's Shabbos on the seventh day is a Din Midbar Abanan the Gemara says you make Kiddush on Abdullah he says how can you make Kiddush on Abdullah Suffolk Brochus must be that it's Vaday Shabbos even Midbar Raisa. So the Rabbi Yaakov Emden compares our situation of a person who's traveling above the Arctic Circle, the sun doesn't rise, it's said to the person who's traveling in the Midbar, that he should count six days from his arrival and then observe Shabbos on the seventh, count six 24-hour periods. Again, the sun doesn't rise, it's set, six 24-hour periods, and then uh, count, uh, observe okay. the seventh 24-hour period of Shabbos. The problem is that the, the, it's not really the same as the Gemara Mesech to Shabbos. The Gemara Mesech to Shabbos is that a person who's lost in the Midbar, the sun is rising and setting. So there's something, you know, something which is occurring, that he's uh, engaging the passage of time, the passage of days, by the sun rising and setting. How is that really comparable um, to our uh, situation? That was the opinion that was adopted by Rabbi Halperin in his um, communications with Ilan Ramon, who was, of course, the, uh, the Jewish uh, astronaut who was on the uh, ill-fated uh, disc- yeah, space shuttle, the Challenger, that... Um, burned up upon re-entry, but he, uh, even though he wasn't a Shemar Shabbos, wanted to, uh, since he felt he was re- representing all Jews, and perhaps in the eyes of the world he really was, uh, felt to, he wanted to perform the Kiddush Hashem, of investigating how he should observe Shabbos in the mitzvahs while he was um, uh, in orbit in the space shuttle. 
And it did a tremendous kiddush Hashem. So he um, uh, consulted with different people. One, he received a psak from Rabbi Halperin from the Institute of Science and Halacha in Eretz Israel that he should follow the opinion of the uh, Rabbi Yaakov Emden and like a person who's holy of Baminbar to count six 24-hour periods and observe Shabbos on the twenty uh, the seventh 24-hour period. But again, it's somewhat the connection with the Gemara Masech Shabbos is somewhat tenuous. It's really not the same. But I'll tell you in a second what I think. Rav Yaakov Emden is driving at. But the other uh, uh, well-known uh, position with regards to this issue is the Tiferes Yisrael, uh, about a hundred years after Rav Yaakov Emden, in the 1800s, it was the Rav Danzig, Yisrael Lifshitz, right at the end of his comments in the first parak of Masechus Brochus, there's a long arichus about this, so he suggested a person should maintain the same uh, clock that he had, the same time that he had, in his city of uh, departure. The city that he came from, that's the time that he should maintain when he's in a place where the sun doesn't rise uh, or set. If he's in a northern city where the sun rises and sets below the Arctic Circle, of course, he should observe time there. But if he's in a place where the sun doesn't rise or set above the Arctic Circle, um, so then he should observe time based on his city where he came from. It's hard to know, does he mean the last city that he came from or his city of origination, where, you, you know, where your house is? Is that what he means? Or does he mean the last city where you left from? So that's somewhat of a, of a suffolk with regards to the opinion of the Ferris Israel, huh? The guy travels to the Far East, okay? Yeah. So it's a total different uh, 12 hour difference. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, so you, you can tell me this. If you go to the Far East, because I know that there Shab, what Shabbos is, so I don't do what I do home. Right. If I go to the North Pole, because I don't know, I do. Well, the question. You, might, you might do it with the... Here, the sun is rising and setting. I don't follow. In the Far East, the sun is rising and setting. But if I don't know, I'm not changed. It's strange. I'll get to your point in one second. I, I agree with you. It's very strange. You're maintaining the time where you came from. So, so, so Ilan Ramon, the, when he well, asked the Shaila, Ilan Ramon asked the Chabad... Day and night and longer and whatever you call it. Long Does it? That makes sense. Long year bien, long year bien. <laughs> so do you, does everyone maintain the same time as long year bien, or does everybody maintain the time where they came from? So when Ilan Ramon asked the Shaila, he asked the Chabad rabbi in Cape Canaveral, which is in Florida, what he should do. He said maintain the time, you know, from here. But he told him Houston time, which is where Mission Control is, which seems to be neither approach within the Ferris Israel. It should either be Cape Canaveral or maybe Jerusalem time, where he came from. One can, but Houston doesn't seem to correspond to, to, to either understanding of Tiferes Yisrael. But the Tiferes Yisrael himself is aware that this creates um, um, a conundrum. Because look over here, three lines from the bottom. He says, Let's say someone comes to the Arctic Circle, one for, by way of Anchorage, one by way of uh, Norway, then they're going to be really observing Shabbos on different days. And we don't even want to think, what if they actually, you know, make a shidduch over there and get married, what day would the children observe Shabbos? So it, it just creates a, a paradox of when, uh, when, uh, when you know, one person could have Shabbos on one day and someone else could have Shabbos on an entirely different day. But I, I believe that perhaps what the Tiferet Yisrael and Rabbi Yaakov Emden are both driving at is perhaps uh, the fact, the notion that in these parts of the world, time simply just doesn't exist. You're, you're above time. You, you transcend time. Time continues to function. Wherever the sun doesn't rise or set, time just doesn't... If the sun rises and sets, of course, and we discussed that, but where the, time, the sun no longer rises and sets, um, or perhaps days are passing faster you know, than 24 hours orbiting the Earth, 
So then it could be at that point you're just above time or transcend time and, uh, and uh, the mitzvahs that are dependent on the passage of time simply uh, would not apply to you. And that's why the Tiferet Yisrael writes uh, over here uh, in the middle line He says, you're not comparable, you're not Chayv Misa if you do Malacha on that, you know, you keep the time of the place where you came from. On that day, if you do malacha, because it's below other misha, Shabbos. You really don't know when Shabbos is. Meaning, and I think what he's saying is, so then why do you keep the time of where you came from? In order to go to Shtakach Shabbos, so you shouldn't forget the mitzvahs that are dependent on time. But it's like a person who's traveling in the midbar, that's what we've got come the myth. He should keep Shabbos like a person who's traveling in the midbar, even though the guy who's traveling in the midbar is entirely different. The sun is rising and setting. He's keeping mitzvahs like they recommend for a person who's traveling in the midbar as a zikaran ba'alma, in order so that he shouldn't forget the mitzvahs that are dependent on time. But a person in these parts of the world, time just doesn't uh, function uh, for him. He transcends time. When he comes back, he'll be in the same, uh, you know, time-date continuum as the rest of us. Like a person who got off, you know, a carousel that's going. He gets off. He sees the carousel keep going. When he gets back on, he gets back on where everybody else was. So, so too, a person who goes to these parts of the world, uh, time seems, uh, the are dependent on time. Uh, Shatna still applies. Uh, Gili Araya still applies. But the mitzvahs that are dependent on time don't seem to have any application for him. Can't. Well, Neither would well, you couldn't. So according to Sternbach, you could. If Sternbach would say, and again, probably someone who's traveling to these parts of the day, the world would have to, you know, be machmer for many all of the sheetas. We really don't have sources over here. We don't have a compass, you know, pun, no pun, to know what's right and what's wrong. But the passage of time, according to these opinions, maybe Shivanakiim wouldn't pass. I don't know. Why do you keep saying that time doesn't exist? Time exists by a 24-hour clock. Day and night doesn't exist. Day and night. So those mitzvahs, which, correct. So those mitzvahs, correct, correct. But it means you're above halachic passage of time that depends on day and night. Day and night is a problem, but time, like Shevon should exist. That depends on day and night. That's suffers. Anything depends on day and night is a question. But not everything depends on Correct. Okay, fair point. Yes, yes, 100%. Uh, correct. What I mean is the passage of time that, that is a function of day and night. One, yeah. Last final issue with regards to this is it could be, though, that a person who's orbiting the earth might be worse than a person who doesn't have a situation with time, you know, where the sun is setting or, or not setting or not rising, like in the Arctic Circle, because a person who is orbiting the Earth, you know, would only have to daven maybe once every 24 hours. That's an obligation that's once a day, you know, davening. But uh, perhaps he would have to observe Shabbos where, you know, in whatever play ground level underneath him is Shabbos. So if underneath him is Shabbos somewhere in the world between Friday and Sunday, and he keeps passing over parts of the world where it is Shabbos, so perhaps from Friday to Sunday, one could argue he would be obligated to keep Shabbos. He's perhaps different than the person who's above the Arctic Circle. He does see the sun rise and set, or he is at least above areas of the world where the sun does rise and set. And just like Ramayusha tells us in the Igor's Maisha that a person has to daven when he's on an airplane, you daven based on the zmanim which are below you. So, so too, a person who's orbiting the earth might have to observe Shabbos in the area that is below him. Davening, he might only have to do once every 24 hours, or tefillin, you know, but uh, Shabbos, he might have to observe vis-a-vis the, uh, the areas that are below him. And all of these things, uh, you know, is with SpaceX and all of these things that are coming in the day of the but we'll just conclude with the Pasuk in Parashas Boy. Wherever Kleister was, they should always try and be in a place where there's darkness, where there's light, never in a place where there's no darkness or no light. It's always best to stay in those places. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.